Welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome to the Transfiguration of Our Lord Sunday, officially the last Sunday of Epiphany. This is for the week of February 11th, 2018, and I am super, super excited to talk about this. Uh, if you haven't picked this up in my voice already. But before we get into it, I want to thank everyone who has given feedback. It's it's super awesome, and, and feel free to keep giving it. And if you haven't reached out and given feedback, I really would appreciate it. It's it's the best way for me to be able to figure out if this is reaching you guys and, and how so. The feedback I have been getting, people are enjoying it. It's a little bit different than what they typically get for a sermon prep. And that's what I'm kind of going for here. And so if there's ways that I can make it better for you guys, that's what I want to do. So I'm super, but I'm, I'm having a hard time containing myself because this week I'm super excited. And you might be saying, Tyler, you're talking about transfiguration of our Lord. It's a minor holiday in the church. Why are you so excited about talking about this? And it's because even in the Sermon Brainwaves podcast this week, which again, if you haven't checked out, it's worth checking out. But I disagree with Matt Skinner on this. I think this is a very interesting text. And I think if you look at it, and what the meat and potatoes of what we're trying to get out of this, I think it can be something that becomes easier to preach on and something that can give you a strategy for every year to preach on. So I'll let me kind of go through the readings and then we'll kind of bust into this a little bit more. So this year we're dealing with Mark's gospel, the transfiguration of our Lord, which is out of chapter nine, verses two through nine. And this is where we have that very, text we come you know come across where Jesus comes up with Peter, James and John, they go up the mountain, you know, Jesus becomes dazzling white, there is Elijah, there is Moses, Peter says let's build the dwellings for all three of you. And then we get this message from God reminding it that this is his son the beloved and listen to him. And then they and then it kind of pretty much kind of just ends there, you know, and, and this is kind of the transition, I would say, in a lot in the gospel where we get the beginning of the procession to Easter. It, it's this is the turning point. You know, we've had Epiphany kind of showing that God is the light, and now we're getting that transition since Lent is literally right around the corner. So we'll cut we're gonna kind of get into this, but I'm super excited about this week. We're getting into them. The first reading, the Old Testament reading, is out of 2 Kings, verses chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And this is the traditional thing with Elijah and Elisha, which I would still say for definitely people in the audience in your congregations, I still think that's one of the hardest transitions, Elijah to Elisha. And <laughs> I still have at times trouble wrapping my head around that transition. But this is where we get Elijah going up into heaven in the chariots of fire. This beautiful, beautiful passage. We have the psalm, uh, Psalm 50, 1 through 6, just talking again about the power of God. This is definitely going through Epiphany with the power of God. And then we have this short little reading out of 2 Corinthians verses chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. And again, it's so short, it's even hard to just grapple with. There's I can even read it for you. 
And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of the world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge and of glory to God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we have this verse just talking about giving the glory to Jesus Christ. We have this Transfiguration Sunday. And the question that I would ask you is, what is the purpose that every year that we go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John's version of this? You know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke's version of this. And it's it's a reminder that, yes, Jesus came as a man, but he's also God. And I think it's a reminder to show us that, again, getting into the cycles that I've kind of talked about, we have cycles in life, but also realizing that God is constantly changing. God is constantly active and moving. God is God can't be contained to what we picture and look at God as. And let me give you a biological example that we can easily, easily understand. And I'm going to give you the monarch butterfly. The monarch butterfly, you have probably were taught it in grade school. The cycle that you have, you have a caterpillar which goes into a cocoon and a chrysalis and becomes a butterfly. Okay, so when you go out and see a caterpillar in the world, what do you think of that as? Well, you think of it as a caterpillar, but you also see the other stages. You see it becoming a butterfly. You, 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 I don't know about you guys, but when I see caterpillars in the world, it's amazing for me. I take a picture, I go on the internet, I'm trying to figure out what type of butterfly or moth is this going to turn into? Because I'm interested, because I want to know what is this going to become? When we look at, you know, young deer, fawns, we look at bear cubs, we look at all these animals. When they're young, we always see them becoming the adult form of that. And look at children. Children are always trying to think about what are we going to become? Who are we going to be? They don't, they don't see the obstacles necessarily. You know, I'm going to become the president of the United States. They don't think about what that all means because that, at this point, that's not the point. It's what they want to become. And it's amazing as we become older and more educated and become adults, we suddenly start struggling with this. What are we, what are we becoming? Who are we? There, you know, how many times have you sat down and, and suddenly say, how did I get to this point? And I think it's at this point we often try putting God into the same box. And then we suddenly have some of these texts and it's like, this doesn't work with my picture of God. I, I'll attach a video uh, from the convention. Andrew Root 
at the Midwinter Convocation talked about and has a nice little documentary, uh, a learning tool, that he worked with a fellow, uh, literally an astrophysicist, um, talking about how with faith and science, and in his case, used a beautiful metaphor of a lobster shedding its exoskeleton on having the fit you know, how science and religion or faith in God could work together. And I think in in this case, it's the same type of thing. God is constantly changing, constantly moving, constantly active. And at times it's really hard for us to, to grapple with that God can be both man, but that he has higher callings, that Jesus Yes, was here to relate with us, to communicate with us, to be this figure for us. But he also had a higher calling. He also has another home. He also is much bigger than what we can contain him in our little minds as, as this, as this figure to be. And that's, and that's where I think it's so difficult where we can get caught up in this. And that's where what I would question and and put forth to you to think about with this text and to challenge your congregations, to challenge yourself about, is how how has the world changed in the past year since you last preached on this? Where how has God changed things for the better or for the worse in this moment? How do you see the change in the past five years, the past 10 years, the past 20 years, the past 50 years? Because we obviously see change and we can obviously see that God's still there. 50 years ago, we still had Martin Luther King. And and to go back a few podcasts ago, we, we could argue that he was a prophet. And it gets back into that question of who are prophets today? You know, I look at myself I'm a 26-year-old guy. Ten years ago, I was still in high school. And for me, that's that's hard to wrap my head around. Smartphones weren't a huge thing. There was a few. BlackBerry was the smartphone. And to think about BlackBerry as a struggling tech phone brand now. Things change and change rapidly. And this and and I think this is what we're getting from, from this is this this quick reminder that Jesus, yes, he is my beloved. He has high plans. I am changing his ministry from this moment on. From this moment on in the text, his ministry changes drastically. Change is okay. And we we get to this, this, this spot in our lives where we don't want change. And as a young child, we wanted this change. We wanted to grow and to become these these big aspirations. A monarch butterfly has, you know, knows when to build the cocoon, knows when to suddenly bust out and spread its wings. And there's a lot of vulnerability in that. The drying of their wings that they have to do after they break open the cocoon. Why didn't I just stay in the cocoon? It was safe. But I had to bust out. I have to dry my wings. Dragonflies do the same thing. It's an hour-long process. Very vulnerable. They can't fly for an hour. 
But that's how they grow. Monarch butterflies, it's, it's absolutely... I, monarch butterflies are absolutely fascinating. They give you the down and dirty, quick version of it. You have a monarch butterfly that starts in Mexico every year. It takes four generations, four breeding generations to get them up to these northern Minnesota, Wisconsin climates. Four generations. And each generation, they, they, you have, you know, they breed, they have their young, they pass away, their young go further north. When they hit this fourth generation here, Wisconsin, Minnesota, this upper part of the United States in between the Rockies and the Appalachians, because there's a couple subpopulations that do some interesting stuff. But in between these mountain ranges, they then have never seen the migratory route. Never. But they know <laughs> they fly from Minnesota, Wisconsin, North Dakota, South Dakota, Monta you know, parts of Montana, fly south to this 500 square mile area in Mexico to land on these trees to hopefully get in far enough to survive the temperatures so that they can then breed down there to pass this, this crazy thing on. If they had stayed in the cocoon, they would have died. Because there wouldn't have been food. They had to stretch their wings. They had to open themselves up. They had to be open to change. This is the whole thing. We have Elijah leaving Elisha. Here you go. Lead these people. I'm going. He's a major prophet. Can you imagine the tribes of Israel say, where did Elijah go? It's a drastic change. Drastic change. And so I would, I would challenge you, think about this week. Because as we get into Lent, because we're having now Jesus changing his whole ministry. And we see it on the cross where he's begging that he doesn't want to do this. But he knows he has to. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, think about your teenage years, those awkward times, those times when you're, you're getting pushed farther than maybe what you felt you could, but you had to. And it's so easy as we become older, adults, quotes around adults, we suddenly feel like we don't need to necessarily do this and it becomes these major life events and questioning on whether we need to change. And I think it's evident here. Yes, God has cycles for us. Yes, there's times where God's going to suddenly say, yep, you need to change. And so really, this is a gospel and a, a message, I feel, that you can talk about of change. And that change is okay. And what does that mean? It's an opportunity. I have thought about before multiple times the beauty of that fourth generation monarch butterfly. Think about all the things it gets to see. It gets to literally retrace the tracks of its heritage to get it to where it was. 
and then it's it's it it lives the longest of any monarch butterfly in its in its sequence. It gets to live literally two, three times longer, three generations longer than the previous three. It gets to literally retrace a flight of these butterflies, and then it starts all over again. We have to encourage our churches. We have to encourage our congregation that change is okay. And I think if we look at the church as a whole, we know that it needs to change. And that's okay because God continues to work with us. God continues to change. Not in who he is, but what he is doing with you. And the one thing I wasn't looking through Ash Wednesday and having gone through Ash Wednesday services, I think this ties in beautifully. And I'm not going to look at the readings. I'm going to go through the verse that we always get recited as you get your ashes. You are dust, and the dust you shall return. The beauty of this is biologically, that's exactly what happens. There's nitrogen cycles, there's carbon cycles. Yes, we can confirm that's what happens. That's what happens to us when it's all said and done. We have been given an infinite amount of time. Just this small, particular time period that God has placed us here. And if you want to describe it, yes, we start as you know, carbon and all these beautiful proteins and everything that's going on. And we'll end up being broken down to the same thing. Which I know is weird to think about. But I think it's also a message of hope. That you've been given this. And you know what the beginning and the end look like. What are you going to do with the middle? What are you going to do? How are you going to stretch yourself? How are you going to take that leap of faith? How are you going to break open that cocoon and stretch your wings? And it might be scary that first little while while you're wetting your wings dry. But what does that mean? What is this opportunity suddenly going to give you? What is God suddenly doing that's maybe different than what he was doing 20 years ago? Because now a new opportunity has arisen. Because there's something now that we understand that we didn't understand before. You know, it, it's it, you go through... Think about raising kids. I, I, I reference back to this because it's one of these things where, as a kid, we understood this. And I think to reference what we get, you know, like in Matthew, let the children come to me. He understood the children having that childlike faith. They understand things change. They understand that I can do the best that I can right now. And I'll keep working on it, and I'll keep getting better. And for whatever reason, as we get older, suddenly that disappears. That's what this text is about. 
We, we have nine chapters of understanding and we start to think we understand Jesus. Think we have the grappled up. Yep. I can understand this. Yep. He came from God. He, and, and, you know, Mark's gospel, we don't even have the birth story. So here we have this man, he's, you know, he's coming, he's the prophet that we've been waiting for. We can understand this, and suddenly this happens. It's the change to, to suddenly bring it forward, to, to change what he, to change the ministry of what he was doing. And think about what that did for us. And I know I've kind of been going a little bit in circles with this. But I I think this leads so well into Ash Wednesday. Leads so well into Lent. This time of reflection. What is God doing for your church? What is God doing with you? What is God doing in your community? God moves in mysterious ways. He moves and, and he works with us and changes us and is able to use these opportunities. Are you willing to bust open your cocoon to grasp these opportunities? Something I've mentioned to some people as I've talked about this podcast and they asked like, how did I get to this? I've been grappling with this for six to eight months. And I, and I had thought about bigger ways of doing this. And I had all these, I still do, have big dreams on where I would love this to go. But it finally got to the point where, Tyler, you have to start with the basics. You have to start with the introduction. The, I need you to just get this, your voice heard. And being able to start to show people what you mean by this. That you can tie faith and science together. That we can look to butterflies and nature and even frogs. When you see tadpoles, you don't see tadpoles fully. You understand it's a tadpole now, but it's going to become a frog. You know that. And you wonder what type of frog. What's that going to be? We see that with our children. They're two right now. Can you imagine them at 18? And parents, oh, I do and I don't. What's that going to be? What's that, What are they going to be like? What is, what's, you know, what's this going to all mean? We don't, we get to be adults and at times it's hard to dream, but we need to dream. And that's one of the biggest things I've learned in my life. If you don't dream, where are you, how are you going to get to where God's calling you to go? Because that's when he speaks to you in a lot of ways. that's to me is, is is the importance of this God stretches us and God shows that he's so much bigger and so much harder for us to understand we can't put him in a box and that's okay it's time to open up that box and throw away and th- bring in this new information and we need to figure out a new container to put this in that's okay for right now but we're going to need a bigger container at some point so again i thank you for tuning in 
I hope and pray that you're getting something out of this. I'd love feedback to hear back from you guys. But I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.